But anyway, um, I have an amazing teaching to share today that I'm very excited to share. This is a teaching I have shared uh, several times, but God spoke to my heart and said, this is the one I want you to speak and share tonight. This is another part of my testimony of the last nine months. I have one new gentleman here, probably doesn't know. I was diagnosed with cancer again. I was healed of cancer 20 years ago, supernaturally. But I was diagnosed with cancer. You guys might not know that either. My, my friends I haven't seen in a while. I was re-diagnosed with a different cancer last September. And I'm not going to go through the whole thing. Bottom line is, I stand here completely healed, completely well, because we have an amazing healer, right? And what God has been doing within me over the last, about since January, is strongly nudging me to share my story in the midst of the journey of healing. So I didn't get my all clear until April. And starting in January, I started to share what God had been doing in me, showing me, and it's a testimony. What I, what I believe God spoke to me about between November and January, when I started treatment and then I had COVID, we took six months or six weeks off before we came back in January just to take time to rest and heal and all. And um, I believe what he was sharing with me is that it wasn't the testimony of healing this time that was so important for me to share with you. What he was giving me to share with you is the testimony of the journey. Because so many of us are walking through journeys. It might not be a, a physical healing that you're in need of. It might be a different healing. It might be a relationship healing. It might be a financial healing. It might be that you're walking through healing with somebody that you love and you're with them. But whatever it is, I believe that the testimony that he's, he's been having me share for the last six months, whatever it's been since January, has been integral. And so he said, okay, now share why. Share why the testimony is so powerful. And that's what I'm going to be sharing tonight. So first of all, what is a testimony? A testimony is the written or the spoken record of anything that God does. The written or the spoken record. So the Bible is a testimony of Jesus because it's the written record of what God has done. The Old Testament points us to Jesus. The New Testament shows us Jesus, our healer, and his healing. The epistles teach us about, about um, living the life of the kingdom of God and advancing the kingdom of God as we've been commissioned. So this is a testimony of Jesus. Jesus, oh, we're going to go there in a minute, that he was the testimony of God himself showing us who God is, who the character of God, the love of God, the power of God, the attributes of God. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. But present-day testimonies are also pointing to God. We're showing people God through testimonies like we just shared. Above and beyond what happens in the world, like with Ken. Ken was healed supernaturally. Yes, many people live through heart attacks. Yes, the medical world is excellent, and we thank God for the medical world. But when we see what happens to somebody like this young man, this 40-year-old man, who had such a bad heart attack and stroke that the doctors were, were 
concerned whether he would even live or die. And now his heart is repairing itself and he is regaining his strength and he's very much alive and very much living. That's a testimony of Jesus. Now here's some really good news. You might think you don't have a testimony in your life or a testimony in your family, but the truth is you do. Because every testimony of every person that is a child of God is yours. Because you're in the same family. And it runs in our family. Healing runs in the family of God. It's part of our DNA. I'm going to read this scripture. I love this scripture. This is Psalm 119, verse 111. It says, Your testimonies, God, I have taken as a heritage forever. For they are the rejoicing of my heart. So the psalmist is saying, your testimonies I have taken as my heritage. The word heritage is something that comes or belongs to one by reason of birth. Our new birth has established us in the, in the family of God. Therefore, my testimony runs in your bloodline. Ken's testimony runs in our bloodline. Many times in this world, we look at the natural and we talk about what runs in the family. Like people are already trying to say who Serafina looks like. Does she look like her mama? Does she look like her daddy? I think she looks a little like you, Grandma. I heard somebody say last night, you know. But that what runs in the bloodline. Another thing that we talk about often is um, in the negative sense, we talk about things running in the family like heart disease or cancer, etc., etc., etc. Now, that's only in the natural realm. Because in the supernatural realm, everything changes. Jesus redeemed us from the curse, including the curse of what might be in your body genetically, in your DNA. I have physical proof of what I just said. We, as children of God, have a new DNA. And therefore, the testimonies of each and every one of God's children is your testimony. It runs in your family. Healing of cancer, that runs in our family. Healing of heart disease, it runs in our family. Healing of shoulder injuries, knee injuries, it runs in our family. And that's supernatural healing, not just natural, right? Let me tell you this mini testimony because I think I piqued your interest, and I am talking about testimony, so I might as well share another one, right? I have a friend, a very good friend, who was diagnosed with breast cancer. And when she was diagnosed, she called me almost immediately and told me the, the realm of tests that she had been through and what the results were. And one of the tests that they did was a genetic test. The genetic test showed that she had an aggressive gene for breast cancer. We prayed over her. We talked about bunches of stuff. But one of the things we prayed over was that gene. And we prayed, oh no, you've been redeemed from the curse. You have the DNA of God, not the DNA that walks through your bloodline from your mother, from your grandmother to the mother to the daughter. No, no, no. You've got a new DNA. And we declare, according to the name of Jesus, that the old generational curse has been broken because we've been redeemed from the curse. And this is my testimony. She had decided already to go and have another opinion. And when she went to have the second opinion, they redid all of the tests. 
When they redid that genetic testing, she no longer had the aggressive gene for breast cancer. Her DNA changed because she's made, she took a stand to believe God at his word. So what runs in our family? Healing, the DNA of Jesus, and testimonies are a heritage that you can take, that I can take. I have an excerpt from an Andrew Womack teaching um, article that I want to share with you about testimonies. It's really, really interesting. He writes, St. Francis of Assisi once said, preach the gospel to everyone and use words if necessary. What a profound statement. And then Andrew says, I believe he was saying that a living example of the gospel is more effective than words. That's what a testimony is. Some people may argue with you about doctrine or the interpretation of scripture, but unless they believe you're a liar, they can't argue with your testimony. So I'm a, I'm a, a minister of healing, right? I talk about healing all the time. I love when people come and want to know about Jesus the healer. But sometimes when I'm out there, people don't want to know so much. People disagree. They've been taught differently. The doctrine of man that they have learned doesn't agree with the doctrine of God. It doesn't agree that it is always God's will to heal. The doctrine of man says something like this. Well, I know that God can heal, but I don't know if he will heal me or he will heal my loved one. <clears throat> so when I go out and I share my, my, um, my story, or I'm sorry, back up. When I go out and I share truth, sometimes there's a debate. Sometimes there is a, a pushing back or a pushing away because there's disagreement. But when I start to share my story, when I start to share about my healing of cancer twice, when I start to share about many testimonies, like I'm, like I'm sharing here, and that I hear all the time, and that I, I have on our website that we have seen in front of our eyes, that, that um, people come and tell us about, and I start sharing those testimonies, it speaks volumes. Because the testimony is confirming the word. And people can't argue with that. There's, a, there's nothing more, this, I'm continuing to read from Andrew's article. There's nothing more powerful than a miracle ministry. Jesus and his disciples used them to confirm that the words they spoke were truth. Sharing and teaching the word of God changes lives. But we can also convey truth through testimonies. Because people relate to stories. That's one of the reasons Jesus used parables to convey truth. And this just blessed me as I was preparing this because I, I love to share stories. I love to share stories about what God has shown me or revealed to me or the stories of, of um, instances, you know, God incidences, I should say. God incidences in my life because it just reveals the, the goodness of God. That's what testimonies should do. They should point to Jesus, not to me, not to us, but to Jesus, because it's all about him. So what I'm going to share tonight are three truths, biblical truths, about testimonies. The first one is that testimonies reveal the nature of God. 
Pastor Tim, I love that man. You guys know how much I look up to him. And one of the things that he spoke almost every week was, just look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Look at Jesus. Because when you see Jesus, you see God. When you see Jesus, it points you to God. It points you to the will of God. It points you to his nature. It points you to his love, his goodness, right? Pastor Tim says that all the time. Well, that's based on scripture. We're going to look at two of them. The first one is Colossians chapter 1. Actually, they're both chapter 1. First one is verse 15. Now he, and it's referring to Jesus, is the exact likeness of the unseen God, the visible representation of the invisible. Is the Bible true? Absolutely, right? I am convinced you'll never change my mind that every word of the scripture is truth. That says that Jesus is the exact likeness of the unseen God. So when we see Jesus as given to us through the accounts in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we can see God. We can't see God visibly. We can't read stories like we can in, in the um, New Testament about Jesus, not in the same explicit way. But we can see Jesus. We can feed our hearts with Jesus' life, his ministry, his testimonies. And when we do, it points us to God. It points us to the heart of God. The next verse is only four verses later in Colossians. For it has pleased the Father that all, all, the divine fullness, the sum total of the divine perfection, powers, and attributes should dwell in him, in Jesus, permanently. I love this, this, this verse because basically what it's saying is that when we look at Jesus, in every instance of Jesus' ministry and his life, and we add them all together, we add everything together. We add his, his love to teach, his, his love for the people, the lost, his acceptance, his inclusiveness. He never excluded people. He didn't exclude the tax collectors. He included them. He accepted them. He never excluded the sinners, the prostitute, the um, the. Um, um, I can't remember the name, Syrophoenician, that big word. Yeah, Syrophoenician. He didn't exclude them. He drew them in. He accepted them. He cared about them. He was compassionate. He healed. He healed. He healed. And he healed again. He healed all who were in need. He shows us the heart of the Father. And, and all of those things added together, like a huge, long addition problem, Add it all together and get the answer, the sum, and that's God. The power, the love, the perfection, the attributes shows us God. Jesus shows us God. Jesus perfectly represented his father. Bill Johnson says it like this. He says, Jesus perfectly represented his father. Scripture says that he only said what he heard his father say. He only did what he saw his father do. He perfectly represented his father. Another Bill Johnson quote, 
is that Jesus is perfect theology. Theology means the study of God. The study of God and God's relationship to his people. When we look at Jesus, when we study Jesus, we're studying God. It's perfect theology. The problem is many times we allow our experience to dictate what we believe instead of Jesus. But present day testimonies also point us to the heart of God because there's still testimonies of Jesus. Everything we've shared tonight thus far, all the testimonies you've heard have been testimonies of Jesus working in our lives. They also point us to the nature of God. I want to use an example. I want to talk about billboards, signs on the road, big billboards on the road. Think about this for a minute. Young mama right here. Most of us are a little beyond the young mama age. We're at the young grandma age. But anyway, um, when, when in our past, when we've been driving to Florida, how many of you have driven to Florida with your kids? Yep, been there, done that. When you're driving to Florida, let's say, hypothetically, that you're going to take your kids to the theme parks. About the time you get to Georgia, you start seeing the billboards for every one of those amazing huge parks, Disney World and, and um, Epcot and Universal Studios, et cetera, et cetera, and et cetera, right? And as soon as they see those billboards, as soon as they see those signs, they're already excited. And it just starts getting them more and more and more excited, right? But nothing compares to when they drive in, they get their tickets, they go through the gates, and they are in the midst of the theme park. They are at their destination, and they are, they are living it. They're experiencing it. Those signs were nothing compared to the real destination. It pointed them to the destination, but it wasn't anything in comparison. That's what our testimonies are. Our testimonies are signs, and they're, they're amazing. A healed shoulder, it's amazing. Being healed of cancer, Lisa was healed of stage four glioblastoma, a tumor a quarter the size of her brain. She is completely whole, completely well, healed perfectly. That's amazing, that's a pretty awesome sign. Every one of our signs healed of lymphoma, Glenn. You know, so many of us healed of cancer twice, three times, and you're on number four, girl, in Jesus' name. So many of us have seen testimony after testimony after testimony. But guys, they're pointing us to something so much greater. That's why testimonies are powerful, because they point us to God. They point us to the goodness of God, to the will of God, to the love of God, to the truth of the word of God. They point us to something so much bigger than the signs themselves. But there's a big if. The big if is if, when those testimonies are given, that they're received. That the heart is open. How many of you have had the experience where you've shared a testimony and the response is, that's nice, change of subject. Has that happened to you? Yeah, it's happened to me too many times. And it just, it, it 
frustrates me. It angers me. It's like, why? Why aren't you excited? This is amazing news. And it's as if you're telling them something that, that is nothing. I believe that, that this is something that we need to talk about because it is a big problem. Um, I believe it could be um, religious spirit. It could be ignorance. It could be wrong doctrine. It could be um, uh, a teaching that is um, not in line with the doctrine of God. And when you've had that kind of teaching, it's almost as if you're saying, that, uh, that doesn't agree with my religion, or that doesn't agree with my heart, because there's wrong stuff in the heart. Another possibility could be callousness, a hardness that has been um, erected, and that usually happens over time. Because if you don't receive the testimony, it's not going to point you to the bigness of God. It's not going to encourage you. It's not going to do the next two things that we're going to talk about. It's going to, it's going to fall on deaf ears. It's as if the seed is um, a hard kernel in the garage on the shelf. It's never going to grow until it's planted in the heart and watered. And that can happen. So before we go any further, I just want to stop and pray. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for me. But I also want to pray for anybody who might be listening online. Because this is very common. So Father, right now, I have this huge burden on my heart, Lord. I know the power of the testimony. I know the, the life in the word. I know, God, that the word should be accompanied by power. And I don't want anything to hinder that from happening. So I pray for hearts right now, Father God. I pray for, for hearts to be softened. That if there's any callousness or hardness that has been built up, God, that you would supernaturally soften the hearts. I pray Ephesians 1, verse 17, right now. I pray that the eyes of our heart would be opened to receive the fullness of your truth, the fullness of who you are as shown through the testimony. I pray, Father God, that any religious spirit is broken off, severed, and removed from hearts. That even if this is something that you've never heard before, that you would have an openness to hear the truth of the word and, and let it um, in and let it come into your, your head and, and take time to process it and then to make a choice to receive it. God, you're so good. I don't want anything to hinder this good news from, from being sown into hearts and producing a harvest. So it's in Jesus' holy name that I pray. Amen. 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 So, testimonies point us to the nature of God. And then, the second thing, testimonies create an expectation for the miraculous. If you receive them, testimonies create an expectation for the miraculous to happen again. 
to happen in you for whatever it is that you're believing for or whatever loved one or friend that you're believing for. And expectation is directly connected to faith. The word expectation that I'm using in the Bible, it's very often translated as hope. Hope. Hope in the Bible isn't just like, I wish that would happen. Hope means an, expect, an expectancy and a joy that goes with it, a joy-filled expectancy that what God says is true and will come to pass in your life. That's expectancy. Testimonies help our soul develop an increasing awareness of the nature of God. And when we see the nature of God as displayed through a testimony, they create an expectancy within us for God's ways to be manifested in our lives. Jesus hasn't changed. What he did when he walked on this earth, he's still doing today. What he did in me, in Lisa, in Deborah, in Glenn, in, in Christine, and so many other people, he's still doing today, and he will keep doing. Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus is the same yesterday, this very day, and forever. Amen. So, Let's look at Hebrews 11.1 1, because expectation is directly related to faith. Expectation is directly related to faith. Faith is our part in receiving. God's part is done. It's called grace. But expectancy is fueled through testimonies. So the scripture says, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The word hope is expectation. So faith is the foundation of expectation. The evidence of things not yet seen. Faith, this full persuasion that Jesus heals today, is the substance for our, our expectation. And when we see evidence of Jesus healing today, that's what we're seeing right here through testimonies. When we see that evidence of Jesus healing here in Jesus the Healer meetings or, you know, through your people that you're talking to and praying with and loving on, when we see people healed, it strengthens and it strengthens our faith and it increases our expectation. So testimonies increase expectation. If you're open, if you let them in, if you're receptive, if you're teachable, if you don't have blinders on that says, I'm not looking that way, I'm only doing it my way, if you take those blinders off and say, God, I want to see all that you want me to see, then it has the potential to build expectation, which is connected directly to faith. Thirdly, a prophetic anointing is released through the testimony. In Revelations 19.10, Scripture says, Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. We're talking about the testimonies of Jesus today, both in, in um, Scripture, when Jesus walked on this earth, and testimonies of Jesus that are current day. The testimonies of Jesus are the spirit or the essence of prophecy. So let's talk about prophecy for a minute. What is prophecy? First of all, prophecy is the inspired declaration of the divine will and purpose of God. 
It is Holy Spirit anointed. And it is when we declare the will of God, the plan of God, the word of God. Many times um, as um, you hear somebody teach or share or exhort, the gift of prophecy is in, is in motion because the Holy Spirit is anointing it to show, to give the divine will and purpose of God. That's only one part of the prophecy. Prophecy also predicts what is to come. Testimonies do both. When we share a testimony, we are sharing the will of God, the purpose of God. We are just like Jesus did. He shared parables to get across the point. When we share testimonies, we are sharing the will of God because healing is the will of God. And when we share it, we are not only sharing the divine purpose and will of God, it also has an anointing to happen again, to predict what is to come. Jesus is the same yesterday and today and tomorrow and forever. My testimony, Glenn's testimony, Deborah's testimony, all of our testimonies have the potential to stir up that anointing for it to happen again, the expectation and the anointing. That prophetic anointing does not just say what God wants to do, but it also carries creative power to bring what is declared into being. And the testimony releases that anointing. You know, one something that I, I have heard taught through um, pastors, through Pastor Tim and other pastors, is that whatever you're teaching in the Word, whatever you're sharing about, it might be about... Um, um, Peace. Maybe you're teaching about peace. Maybe you're teaching about forgiveness. Whatever you're teaching about, according to the word of God, there is a Holy Spirit anointing upon that word for it to come to pass if you take it and let that seed come in and be watered and all, right? Today we're talking about testimonies. And when you share testimonies, there is that anointing for it to, to be um, come alive, for it to come alive in the heart of the receiver. When we declare what God has done through a testimony, power is released to make that testimony happen again in the lives of those who hear it. The actual word testimony, the Hebrew word testimony, means to repeat and to do it again. It means to repeat it verbally in words, but it also means to do it again in action because you can't separate the word of God from the works of God. They go hand in hand. Okay, so now what I'm going to do, I'm going to take a little break before I teach some more, and I'm going to share some testimonies. I'm going to share some power of the testimony testimonies. So what I want to share are instances that I've experienced where a testimony has led to another testimony where there's been anointing on the testimony for it to happen again, and that's what I've witnessed. So the first one I want to share is at the very, very beginning of my healing journey. I was just healed of stage four cancer. I didn't know much of the word. I couldn't really teach it, but I had a testimony, and I had a brand new relationship with the God of my testimony and with Jesus, right? I had this awesome relationship, 
and you couldn't keep me quiet. I was just so excited and so filled with zeal with, with, with God in my life and with my testimony. The first three people that came to me, I didn't go to them, the first three people that came to me that were also diagnosed with cancer, I shared my testimony with, and all three of them were healed. I was undone. I was completely, I mean, I was so in awe when I was healed. I was so overjoyed and so, you know, I had a gift of life given to me. I had a death sentence. They had given me six to nine months to live. And I, I'll never forget, I'll never forget when they gave me the stage four cancer diagnosis, the first thing I said was, I want to be a grandma someday. I didn't even have a child married yet. But then I received healing. Chad and Kay had those two grandbabes. This past year, diagnosed with stage four cancer again. Healed again. Now I have another grandbaby. He's been taking care of me, right? He loves me. He loves you too. But this is what happened. The first one, the first person, was my husband um, worked with a gentleman who had a brother that lived in the state of Washington. That brother was diagnosed with brain cancer. He had had brain surgery. Um, they removed what they could. They couldn't get it all. They closed him back up. They said, bad news. You know, it was a very bleak report. Um, the brother uh, or the, that worked with Kent had heard about my testimony because my husband had told everybody at work, right? So they called the brother, connected us. This is so interesting. This is a God incidence. I happened to be in the state of Washington where that man lived when he called me to share my testimony. I mean, for me to be there, my son had had an injury on his elbow and needed surgery. He was going to school out there. I flew out there for a long weekend, and I get this call from somebody in Washington. I shared my story. I shared my testimony. I shared the little bit of truth that I knew. I shared how I had fed my heart with the healing scriptures. And as soon as I got home, I sent him a Charles Capps book. About six weeks later, he called his brother who told my husband. He had a complete healing. Against all odds, the doctors didn't know how or why, but the cancer in his brain was gone. The power of the testimony. The next one was a woman that I work with, worked with, and um, she, the next two actually were women that I worked with. So they saw me. They saw me get healed. They saw me at the beginning. They saw me when I didn't know Jesus yet and I'm just falling apart. They saw me um, over the summer, literally, I got healed. I came back to work in the fall, completely healed miraculously. And shortly after that, one of these ladies came to me and her husband had a big mass on his elbow, in the inside part of his elbow. And um, the doctor was very suspicious of it. And they were going to do surgery. Before the surgery, she came to me and she started to, she was freaking out. They thought it was cancer. The doctor was speaking about cancer and the possibility of cancer. And uh, I shared what, I shared my story. She already knew pieces of it, but I shared my testimony. And again, I said, I said, um, um, Nancy, I said, everything changed in my life. I have a relationship with God now. You know, I read the Bible every day. I gave her a, a book of healing scriptures. I said, this is what I did. I read these aloud. I fed my heart with the word of God. And so she just went home with her husband and did the same thing. 
They started to pray together for the first time in their lives. They started to read the word together for the first time in their lives. They started to read healing scriptures together. They went and, and had the surgery done, and the first report was a bad report. The report was high-grade sarcoma, which is a type of blood cancer. And um, it was the frozen biopsy right in the surgical room. They sent it to the pathologist from there. It came back low-grade sarcoma, which that was much better than high-grade sarcoma, but it was confusing to the doctors why the same tissue would be different in two different situations. So they decided to send it to a third lab. The third lab that they sent it to, it came back negative, no sarcoma. God took that thing and changed the report. Praise you, Jesus. The third example was another teacher that I worked with, and this woman was a very close friend to me, still is a very close friend. At that time, her son was a preschooler. He's now graduated from college, but he was a preschooler at that time. And um, he, had, he had an accident of some sort. He had to take him to emergency. And they did blood work for whatever reason. And when they did the blood work, they found a very, very um, imbalanced report in his blood. And it looked bad. They sent, her to a he they sent them to a hematologist, which is an a oncologist for blood cancer. And this mama was petrified for her son. She came to me. I shared my testimony. I shared the same thing I shared with the other lady. And she started to apply, apply the word. I remember the word for her was, by the stripes of Jesus, my son was healed. By Jesus' stripes, Brendan was healed. She refused fear. And this girl was a worrier, crazy worrier. But she, she this is a mama. And she changed her whole, her whole attitude because you know what mamas do. Mama bears change, right? She wasn't going to sit there and, and be a, a, afraid. So she stood up and she declared the word of God, by the stripes of Jesus, my son was healed. By the stripes of Jesus, my son was healed. She said it over and over and over and over again. And when she took him to the hematologist, walked in and she saw the children, you know, that were fighting cancer. And she called me. I remember I was in school in my classroom and I am speaking truth, and I am encouraging her, and I'm speaking the word of God over her and boosting her up because she just fell apart when she walked in there. But then she actually got in to see the doctor. They looked at all of the reports. They looked at the little boy. They did what they could do to, to um, do their testing, and they said, this little boy is fine. The blood that he has, is it, the word they used was anomaly. It was natural for him. It was healthy for him, and he was perfect and whole and no problem his whole entire childhood, and he still is. So the first three people I shared my story with, God changed the bad report into an amazingly good report. I was overwhelmed. I think that that um, affected me more than my own healing because I, I was 43 years old. Before that, I had never seen one miracle, not one. And now I had a testimony myself, and everybody I shared it with also had a testimony. I was overwhelmed with the truth of God's word, the will of God. I believed that the power of the testimony, there was an anointing to raise expectation in those people, 
and for them to see the exact same results that I had seen. The second set of testimonies I want to share happened about 10 years ago. I think I shared this a few weeks ago, but I'm going to share it again. This particular man lived in Florida. I went to Florida to um, share my newly pu published Bible study. It was about 10 years ago. And I was sharing it with the church in hopes that they would use it in their small groups. But something happened at that meeting, and it turned into a healing meeting. It went from a show of my Bible study meeting to a healing meeting. And it was fun. Uh, Holy Spirit just uh, anointed it in a tremendous way. And we, we, Ken and I started just praying healing and words of knowledge. And, and, and the power of God was all over the place. And we were praying for all these people. And all of a sudden, somebody stopped and they said, we need to go get Paul. Paul wasn't there at that meeting. And I said, okay, I don't know who Paul is, but go get Paul. They went and they got this man. He was in the building named Paul. Paul had just been through a, a series of tests and biopsies for cancer of the prostate. He had symptoms and the doctors, with everything that they had heard him say and the tests they had done, it was completely pointing to prostate cancer. We, we took a stand. We prayed over him. He heard my testimony of healing of cancer. We prayed over him. We believed God and the report of God instead of the report of man. The next day, I got a call from Paul with an absolute perfect report. No cancer, no sign of cancer, no prostate cancer, which was amazing. We were praising God, and he was ecstatic. But he had a visitor visiting him from the New England coast, a young man. He called him his surrogate son. He was like a father to this child, to this man. He was in his early 30s. He was also diagnosed with cancer. The cancer was in his prostate, his testicles, and his pancreas. The tumor on his pancreas was the size of a grapefruit. They had already tried treating him, and he couldn't take the treatment. So they stopped it, and they said there was nothing more they could do. He hadn't had children yet. He was a young married man, and he had this terrible report. And Paul said, can you come and pray for Kevin? They lived about an hour north of where we were. We were in Venice. They were in Bradenton. We were going to fly out the next day. So we were going to fly out of Sarasota, which is halfway in between. So Ken and I said, can you meet us at the airport? And that's what they did. We went to the airport early. We went to the ticketing area. And we ministered to that kid right there in the airport. We talked to him. We shared our testimony. He had his surrogate dad right there who had had the testimony of a good report from prostate cancer the very day before. And we shared same thing. You know, the, the healing word of God, the promises of God, feeding your heart with the medicine of the word. That young man went back home to the, to the coast, to the England, New England coast, and he went for another round of tests at John Hopkins University. They had all of his reports, which were documented medical reports that they took with them. But when they did the new um, bunch of reports, the new bunch of testing, the, the test came back that the tumor that had been the size of a grapefruit was now the size of a pea. And it was completely treatable. I talked to Paul about two weeks ago or three weeks ago when we went to Florida the last time. It was March, so it was a while ago, a month ago, whatever. And we, we met with Paul again because his wife has recently been diagnosed with stage one breast cancer. So we went to pray for her this time. But we talked to Paul again, and he said, Kevin is still 
completely well, completely whole. The power of the testimony. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, praise you, praise you, Jesus. So testimonies point us to the heart of God. Testimonies increase our expectation for the miraculous. And testimonies carry a prophetic anointing for God to do it again. Now I'm going to share, I'm going to leave you with two nuggets of instruction. What to do, what to do with the testimony, how to receive it, how to deliver it. So here's the first one. Don't neglect the testimony. Sometimes people don't share a testimony because they feel they're bragging if they do. No, that's a lie. That's false humility. Because if you're withholding the testimony, if you're neglecting to share it because you feel like you're bragging, you are robbing people of everything we just talked about. You're robbing people of seeing the goodness of God, the nature of God. You're robbing people of, of stoking their expectation for a, for a miracle for them. You're robbing them of that anointing that is on the testimony for it to happen again in their lives. And you're also robbing God of the glory that he is so worthy of. So don't neglect the testimony. No, it's about him. It's all about him, or it should be about him. The second um, danger in neglecting the testimony is what I'm calling forgetting the testimony. And in your notes, it says a downward spiral. Because what happens in humanity, just because of who we are, is that if something is further back in our history, we tend to not think about it as much or talk about it as much or keep it as um, fresh in our heart. For example, I, I'm very blessed because I'm a minister of healing, so I share my testimony all the time. But my first healing of cancer was 19 years ago. And if, I mean, it's kind of part of our humanity to kind of forget about the things that happened 19 years ago. But when we don't remember the testimony, when we don't keep talking about it, other things can occupy our minds. I see this happen all the time. People get healed and they go back to life like it used to be. Without God as the centerpiece, without Jesus in the, as the, the, the Lord over every aspect of your life. And the less we keep our testimonies, the less we keep them in our conversation, in our minds, the less our expectation is. Because expectation and seeing God working and believing that God is here this very day go hand in hand. So expectation wanes. And when our expectation is lowered, we're not as apt to be aware of stepping into the miraculous, stepping into praying for the sick, stepping into believing that God's still healing today because it's kind of grown distant. Maybe we become a little bit cold or lukewarm or calloused. And then you see less miracles. And when you see less miracles, you have less testimonies to share. And it's just a vicious downward spiral. So here's my last instruction. And this is from God himself. God instructs us to keep the testimony, not neglect it, but keep it. I'm going to read Deuteronomy 6.17. 
God says, you shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord, your God, his testimonies and his statutes, which he's commanded you. He tells us to diligently keep three things, commandments, testimonies, and statutes. I'm just really briefly going to talk about commandments and statutes. Then we're going to go to testimonies. Commandments are charges given to us to watch over and to keep. Charges. For example, and then in the natural, this is my example. When, when I'm not here, when Kent and I are traveling and we're not here, we have an amazing ministry team. And I always do a little email, and I kind of tell everybody, okay, will you do this, and will you do this, and will you do this, and will you do this? And everybody has a little job, and they all come together and have an amazing healing meeting when Kent and I aren't here because we've, we've given them charges. We have commissioned them, if you will. That's what God has done with us. He has commissioned us to, yes, keep the number one commandment, which is to love God and to love his people as we've been loved. But he's also commissioned us in that love to advance the kingdom of God, to preach the kingdom of God, to share the kingdom of God. He's, com he's commissioned us to um, destroy the works of darkness because we have the authority and power to do it. So that, those are the commandments. The statutes are guidelines for us to live the abundant life that he came to give. Guidelines to live by and to observe, to keep and to guard for our own protection and our own life. He's given us a lot of those as well. And again, back to the natural. What do we do with our own children? We give them guidelines. When they're little, bedtimes. We give them healthy snacks. We give them, um, you know, what they need to be healthy. When they get a little older, we have curfews. We have the absolute non-negotiables. And then we have the other things that are a little more negotiable. We have the boundaries because we love them so much. And we want them to have the most abundant life that they can have. That's what God has given us. He tells us, don't worry, but pray. Bring all of your cares to me, and I'll give you peace that passes all understanding. He shows us how to live in a way that will be blessed. He gives us all sorts of statutes to guide our life so that we can live the blessed life. But he also says that we should diligently keep testimonies. Testimonies show us what to expect. We need to know that. We need to keep that fresh in front of our face. God wants us to live in the divine will and, and plan that he has for us. But in order to do that, we need to know what to expect. He tells us to diligently keep the testimony. It's not an option. It's, it's the best, well, it is an option because we always have the choice. He's given us free will. But that is absolutely his best for us. That word keep, I see it as twofold. The first part of it is to keep it for you, to guard your heart. To keep it in this place of, of um, uh, protected, guarded, um, remembering it um, like a treasure, like treasuring it in your heart. But it's not just to keep for yourself because a keeper of the testimony doesn't withhold the testimony. A keeper 
of the testimony distributes the testimony. We're going to talk a lot more about that next week. But what I want to close with right now are four simple steps for you to keep the testimony of Jesus in your heart. The first is to journal. I know I harp on that all the time. I'm a teacher. I can't help it. Journaling is so, so very powerful. The little things. Write down all the little things. I'm not talking about having, you know, this big miracle that you're writing about, although write about that too. But I'm talking about all of the little steps that lead you, that God has been there for you, where God has um, held you by the hand, where he's given you the, the, the exact word that you needed, the exact time that you needed it, where he's positioned you in the right place at the right time. All of those little things, everything I've written, and I've got three, um, three public, published works, and I'm working on another one. Everything that I've written is based on my journals and what God has done. Every bit of the books that I have are testimonies, testimonies of Jesus. So that's the first thing, write a journal. Second of all, remember your testimonies. Remember them. Get that journal out. Read what God has done. Remember what he's done. Rehearse it. Think about it. Remember it. Because those testimonies, renewing your mind with what God has done in your past, renewing your mind, refreshing your, your memory with those testimonies, becomes the lens through which you view your present situation. Let me give you an example. This is a really good example. I have three kids. One of the three with his wife and family are super, super strong believers. My other two children aren't yet. But what I do, and this is actually very fun, what I do, I'm often, I often remember how Chad and Kay came to know the Lord. It's a huge, long testimony. I won't share it now. But it was absolutely amazing. And there's no way that I could have ever figured it out. There's no way I would have ever planned it the way God did because it's so much better than what I would have planned. It's an amazing testimony, and their family is precious beyond words. So... I love all of my children. I love them with all of my heart. But when I see my other kids, and they're not there yet, but I'm seeing signs. I'm seeing signs. I'm seeing pieces of testimony, and I'm writing about them. But what I do is I look at what, Chad did, or what God did with Chad and Kay. And I say, God, this is what you did with Chad and Kay. I can't wait to see how it's all going to come to pass with Adam and Marianne. I can't wait to see how you do it with Megan and Gareth. I'm so excited. I literally get excited about it because it becomes a lens through how you see what you're believing God for today. Testimonies are powerful, but we need to keep them. Keep them in our heart. Remember them. Number three, feed on testimonies. You might not have a testimony. You might not think you do, but you do. You've got lots of testimonies. You've got the testimony of Jesus as given to you in Scripture. And remember how we started. Every testimony of any child of God is your testimony because you're in the family. So they're all yours. But feed on testimonies. This was another integral part of Pastor Tim's teaching. If you remember, he shared testimonies every week. He shared video testimonies. We learned from testimonies. 
but feed on testimonies because it's, it's like medicine for your soul. Remember what it does. It points you to the heart of God. It, it stirs up expectation and there's a prophetic anointing on those testimonies. So feed on testimonies. I'm going to give you two really good resources. The first one is Andrew Womack. When you go on Google or YouTube and you type in Andrew Womack Healing Journeys, it will give you amazing testimonies. And they are well done. They're, they're, they're excellent quality um, TV um, filming and everything. They're very, very well done. They're, they're anywhere from like 10 minutes long to 30 minutes long each testimony. So maybe do that in the evening instead of watching Hallmark Channel. <laughs> Hallmark's my favorite channel. So, you know, put on an awesome testimony and feed your soul with testimonies. So that's the first, um, the first um, thing to try. The second one is our website. On uh, our website, which is JesusChristHealsToday.com, there is a tab that says Testimonies. There are lots and lots of testimonies on our website. Everything that we have seen right in front of our eyes. We also have video testimonies on there. There's a, a part of a link under testimonies that says video, I think, video testimonies. And there's some amazing testimonies on there. We have Nathan and Kelly's testimony on there. We have Glenn's testimony on there. We have a bunch of people from our Monday night that have been healed. We have their testimonies. We have some people from Rochester Church. Bunch of video testimonies on there as well. So there's two places where you can go to feed your heart with testimonies. And then lastly, share your testimony. It doesn't, like I said, it doesn't need to be the end of the story because you are in a story. I remember last year or two years ago, Sarah, when I, your mom sent me the link to when you were teaching. I don't know if it was at Kensington, but you were, you were sharing and you were in the middle of your own battle with cancer and you were sharing how God was with you every step of the way. You were sharing your testimony of Jesus. You don't have to be at the end of your story. That's what I've been doing for the last months and months and months. Every week I come here and share what God's doing, what Jesus is doing. I'm sharing the testimony of Jesus. So every little piece, that's what I did at Baldwin Elementary. The whole time I was in my healing journey, those teachers watched me live my testimony. And every day in the teacher's lounge, every day at lunch, I was sharing Jesus. Share your testimony. Jesus. 